troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night. Welcome to the Slush Podcast, the only place on the internet where we cover Ghostbusters to baby diapers and everything in between. So, welcome back. Episode 18. This is our first uh, showcase special. And today I decided to showcase Yu-Gi-Oh! Yo! Crazy! It finally happened. Yeah, it's... uh, (laughs) We've been trying to get a setup like this, not just for Yu-Gi-Oh! But just for other projects as well. Sorry for the audio listeners. I'll try to describe everything as clearly as I can. Um, So right now I just have a Yu-Gi-Oh! mat. I'm going to be placing all my cards in that I have in card sleeves. Uh, but this is probably going to be one of many specials. Like for instance, I'll be showing Case Yu-Gi-Oh! Then one episode, Matt will be showing off some of his comic books uh, or even some of his action figures he's kept behind uh, himself that you see all the time. It's true. They're there. Love them. Yeah, even his little gold <laughs> photon blaster. Uh, uh, it's yeah. a proton pack, actually. Proton. I'm Bro- sorry. I forgot the wow. H. <laughs> You'll never make it as a maritime Ghostbuster at this rate, Sully. I'm just I'm joking. failing. <laughs> no, that's cool. I'm glad that we're doing this because, like you said, it would be fun because I feel like we both have a bunch of neat stuff that we can show people or like our, you know, two people that are listening. Cody, I know you're there. Uh, and uh, yeah, it'll be fun because you love Yu-Gi-Oh! And you always talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! So this will be enjoyable, I think, for you to uh, show off what you got, you know? Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh! is honestly my favorite franchise of all time to me personally because i've been collecting like since 2005 uh uh since i was a wee lad <laughs> damn uh yeah when i whenever i was a good uh student my teacher would give me the old mcdonald's little card sets of Yu-Gi-Oh cards and that's what i'd use to help collect my uh build up my collection as well <laughs> that's hilarious it's crazy that do they still ever give them out at mcdonald's um not at not in North American McDonald's. Oh, man, that's too bad. They don't do there anything actually, cool. There actually is a cool way they do distribute cards for like people who don't even play Yu-Gi-Oh! Is uh, Shonen Jump, where it isn't just, just Yu-Gi-Oh! has Dragon Ball and the newest Shonen animes. and uh, They actually like to, to promote Yu-Gi-Oh! They always do a promo card to come with the, the magazines that come out. They're like, here's all the new mangas that are coming out from these mangakas and this thing. And here's what Yu-Gi-Oh! is doing. And here's a new card that you can use to play Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> <laughs> As they should. Because, I mean, for me, I remember when Yu-Gi-Oh! came out. But I think I was just old enough where I was like... Because what year did that come out, Yu-Gi-Oh! What, what year was the anime show? The Yu-Gi-Oh! anime came out in 96. 96. So I would have been going to grade 7. So, yeah, it was a Rage Against the Machine kind of year that year. So (laughs) it makes sense Uh, in my books. But yeah, um, so what do you want to tackle first? The television series and explain how that, what it is, or or then jump into the game? Or what do you think? So I'm gonna just gonna just give a brief history of what Yu-Gi-Oh is, and then I'll touch on the game. Okay. Um, so Yu-Gi-Oh is a is a manga series by Kazuki, the mangaka Kazuki Takahashi uh, that he created. Uh, so when he was uh, first published in this, he actually had a first start where he was actually just uh, didn't know what he wanted Yu-Gi-Oh to be. It wasn't even to be with cards at first, like at all. It was actually supposed to be a series of um, just kind of mini games that uh, the main character would challenge other opponents into. And then 
eventually he uh he made this card game like tarot card game uh pop up and once he uh was facing one of his opponents and then as soon as that part came out in his original draft of Yu-Gi-Oh, there were so many people who came flooding to uh, Shueisha and Shonen Jump like, hey, how do I get those cards? Those are cards are so cool and how they're playing them. And then they went to ask Kazuki. He was like, hey, like, so how are you, uh, how are you, how are these cards things working? I was like, it's like I, I, I just did it as a one-off. I didn't think people would take so much interest into it. And then uh, they're like, hey, what if you, uh, like, you take a presentation and make sure that the card game is influenced into your story. And then he thought about it. I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do that, I'm gonna actually going to reboot my series. I'm actually going to make sure the card game is the main part of my story from start uh, st- uh, chapter one. So then he rebooted it with the card game in mind and made sure that this is what integral part of the story instead of just being a series of uh, uh, games with it. And that was the first OG series that came out in 96, uh, the one that we see all and recognize now uh, with your boy uh, Yugi Moto. Hopefully yeah. That's good- I, yeah. it's, as somebody who's never known much about Yu-Gi-Oh, I just, I've always assumed he was the main character throughout, you know, like Goku, kind of in Dragon Ball, where it's always been him, but I didn't know that there were multiple series of it, like you were telling me the other day, so, yeah, I'm yes. sad about so, that. Yeah, so Yu-Gi-Oh is an interesting series where, um, the OG series of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters, uh, it's only a branch off and, and ends his this character's story, and then it goes on to new protagonists, and that's how it is for every series of Yu-Gi-Oh! And that's how, because um, Kazuki Takahashi wanted to keep it fresh for himself if he was going to keep writing this series. He didn't want to just be stuck with one character and one kind of concept. So he kind of, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! is kind of somewhat, like, anthology-based, where every series is a different flavor, and it adds a new different mechanic to the game each iteration. So Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters, uh, or Yu-Gi-Oh! is the first uh, series. Then the second series is Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, uh, based in high school. Woot woot. And then uh, the third series is uh, in the future, where they play car games on motorcycles. It's so weird. Like, while they're <laughs> driving them? While while they're driving, yeah, hand in hand. <laughs> they just had to really up the ante on that, didn't they? Yeah, they kept or up on the ante, and then uh, the I think the fourth series was them going into a digital world uh, with uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, kind of like Digimon of sorts, but except Yu-Gi-Oh, weirdly enough. Weird, because Digimon <laughs> came well after Yu-Gi-Oh, didn't it? Uh, I th- um. I don't know if it came out around the same time or before Yu-Gi-Oh! did. Because hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it came before. Is Digimon still going as a sidetrack here? Oh, uh, Digimon is, I think it's been like an on and off series. They did a, like a movie way back in like 2017 that, with the old cast. Whoa. That, that's kind of like also a, a, a interesting series where they uh, every time they make a new one, they make a whole new cast. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is one uh, when the first series and they're all kids like... 10, 12 years old, they did a movie with them in high school uh, and showcase how they would still be using uh, being pals with their Digimon and whatnot. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, we just can't let anything go. Star yeah, Wars, know, right? Yu-Gi-Oh, Digimon, <laughs> yeah, Jurassic Park. Jesus. Oh my god. Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah Jurassic Park should definitely be let go. Like, I think it's done. Wow. I know, right? Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm totally getting you. <laughs> we went into dinosaurs somehow, but <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I know, right? 
But yeah, that's kind of like a brief history of Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, the story in Wise itself. Unfortunately, the mangaka Kazuki Takahashi, he passed away, uh, I believe, um, in 2022. Uh, he ended up uh, dying, actually rescuing one of his friends that were drowning uh, during a deep sea dive. Um, but he unfortunately wasn't able to come out unscathed and passed away from that. And it's crazy. Then, yeah, I know, right? What the hell? The guy who makes card games died in the ocean. Well, from the ocean. From the ocean, yeah. Trying to rescue someone. Bizarre. It's so weird, too, because this was... Because I'm pretty sure this is when, like, the... It was such a weird time because the queen died. And then Kazuki Takahashi died. And then I think it was on the same time that the... uh, Unfortunately, like, one of the candidates that was going for uh, Prime Minister of Japan also was assassinated. And... Obviously, it was just, like, so much death. And even in Japan, that was, like, uh, obviously with that, that death. And then, obviously, with this death, I was like, oh, my God. Like, there's so much. There's, like, nothing good happening right now. Oh, my yeah, God. That, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's a cluster of not funness. That's pretty crazy, actually. Damn. Yeah, it was, like, all in the span of, like, a month or so. It's What's 2024 wild. got for us, Sully? Hey, you never know. Mm, it's gonna be <laughs> a great. new card game. Yeah, <laughs> a new Yu-Gi-Oh anime. Let's go. The Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> with two H's. It'll be great. Hell, so hell yeah. sorry. Um, I always, I always thought that since Yu-Gi-Oh has an exclamation mark in the, in its name, I always thought it was gonna add more and more and more. Oh time. my god. <laughs> oh yeah, it doesn't. Have, so is are you supposed to scream this name or is it like? It's supposed to go Yu-Gi-Oh. As it echoes in the distance. <laughs> oh my god. All right, yeah. then. <laughs> so, I don't even know where I got you off topic here originally. What was the last well, we thing were ta- you were... We were talking about Digimon, and then... Digimon. Yeah. 90s. So, so, uh, so just to talk about the brief history of the game itself. Uh, after um, the popularity of the game in the manga... Um, they obviously, uh, Shonen Jump really wanted to like popularize on the idea of, uh, an actual physical card game people can play and collect and buy. So they were trying to find a way to outsource it. So they actually uh, lent uh, their IP source to Konami who bought the rights to Yu-Gi-Oh and started making all the cards and everything you see to this day. Um, and with that, they've published many of their, uh, kind of, kind of cards, uh, like Dark Magician Girl and a bunch of tokens of sorts, all that go within the anime, and uh, to help the uh, players play the game as hmm. such. It's kind of weird that uh, right now I think the games kind of outgrew uh, the original source of the animes because a lot of times there's actually like a, a lot of the times they will try to make decks that come from the anime with characters, but then the animes weren't coming out frequently enough, and then at times when uh, he was making it, uh, they just wasn't enough cards to be pumped out for different varieties and different sets, because they started making sets uh, like every few months, and they started making new sets every few, uh, month or so. Hmm. And then there wasn't enough monsters and content being made up for it, so then they decided to make their own like original characters in Yu-Gi-Oh! and archetypes to play within the game. And that's what kind of breath life into the series instead of just waiting for like oh i can't wait for the newest set for a like dark magician girl for that support they started making their own original characters um like uh 
uh, Sky Striker. This is the newest, one of the newest variations of card types that's originally from Konami. Hmm. Yeah, so they started branching out with different like uh, stories of cards. Even like you, uh, there's lore books you can find of different archetypes that aren't told at all in the anime. Wow, and that's pretty crazy. That's, so, how much percentage of the cards that are made, you think, have never been included in the anime? Uh, right now, I think it's kind of been balancing it out, especially in their sense they do different kind of variations. It's pretty close. I would say it's about, like, 60%, like, new kind of archetypes and, like, 40%, like, um, actual characters and decks from the anime. That's quite a few, actually. That's, that's it, surprising. It is quite a few. It's a pretty leveled amount, um, just because they're pumping out sets left, right, and center. Uh, and that's essentially sometimes uh, a lot of cards that have come out in the manga they would save for later that don't get released later on like there's so many cards from the anime they got printed out but there wasn't many cards from the manga sometimes it would differentiate with like that are there ever uh, any manga or sorry are there any characters from the anime that have never made their way into the card game like in real life uh, uh, right now there probably is a few that I'm th- not thinking of in like the newer kind of series of Yu-Gi-Oh as the as the series continued. Um, but all the OG characters from the original series, I think, all have their own decks, all have their own retrains, and even sometimes like, oh, since the game progresses and evolves, let's say I bring a card deck from like 2001 with Dark Magician Girl, and I bring it in today's meta of 2024, it's not going to compete. Like, they're just different realms, different areas. Uh, so they actually make retrains of these cards to be breath of new life into the, uh, huh. the, the card's IP. That's so cool. So they can actually be played again. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. So how many cards do they usually release per year? Or is it, I guess it changes every year. Uh, it changes every year. Um, but they do, do release, like, different kind of sets, rarities, ultra rarities, secret rarities, etc., and right now, Yu-Gi-Oh! celebrating their 25th anniversary, funny enough. Uh, so they've been doing a release uh, celebration between all the variations of their uh, kind of style formats. Because right now, there's technically like about five, six formats of Yu-Gi-Oh! They have the, the original TCG, the ones you see here, that'd be like North American edition and South American European edition, the ones you'd see there. And then there's Oceanic card game, which is all in Oceania, be like China, South Korea, Indonesia, Japan. Uh, they actually have their own kind of format. And then there's uh, the mobile games or the online services you can play on Switch or your phone, uh, what have you, just to help uh, spread the Yu-Gi-Oh name everywhere. Even um, there's even a new format of Yu-Gi-Oh called Rush Duel, where it's like a shortened version of the game itself, hmm. just to help make the game a bit faster. Yeah. Do they have anything for like? Do they have every Yu-Gi-Oh game for N64? Uh, I don't think for N64, but they have had some for the Game Boy. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, man. Yeah, we yeah, should yeah. totally do a review of that sometime. Uh, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's, it's actually one of the hardest variations of the game to play. Damn. Because uh, when, when that uh, Game Boy one was coming out, uh, it's mainly because th- in the early life of Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, the Konami didn't know how the game was to really structure it, uh, how to make it punctuate. And even with the card game on the Game Boy, it plays nothing like actually in the uh, in, in the anime, and it plays nothing like how you would in the uh, oh. actual physical card game. Damn. So they had to they had to make their own kind of format to play, 
for the Game Boy. It was a really weird set. So it's kind of loosely the same, but once you're playing it, like, wow, these are different mechanics and different things that, like, there's never been realized in the, the card game or the anime. Weird. There's a lot of ins and outs of this, and the whole Yu-Gi-Oh thing that I did not realize. I was like, they made an anime, and then they had a card game. But <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a lot more to it than that, it's sounding like. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh has <clears throat> a, a lot of versatility, if you will, and kind of weird variations of how it popped up throughout the years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, it's crazy that Konami own it. I was just playing Contra and I beat it finally, but it's hilarious to know that, like, Contra and Yu-Gi-Oh! Or somebody there was like, yeah, let's get Yu-Gi-Oh! Let's get that one too, you know? It's funny. Yeah. Small yeah, world. Actually, actually, funny enough, um, to celebrate the 25th anniversary, it's actually something that Konami partnered up with. Uh, don't mind me, I'm just flashing these characters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they actually, um, to promote not only the 25th anniversary of Yu-Gi-Oh!, they decided to uh, branch out and make their own animation studio called Konami Animation. So they showed off, like what I said, with a bunch of archetypes and aren't told in the anime. They showed off a bunch of their, like, a brief, like, look at what these stories could look like if it was an anime. Hmm. So they did, like, Zerai's, they did Sky Striker, and a bunch of other variations of series. And <laughs> it looks really cool. It's like a small six-minute animation. And it's also to promote their studio to showcase what is in store for what konami's new anime studio can do man that's so, cool so it, it it isn't just like a Yu-Gi-Oh kind of series that they can go off it's like any konami ip that can maybe make a new anime out of konami i feel like they have so much stuff they could do oh yeah 100 percent. even like uh i've always been a high standard like a high asking for um a Yu-Gi-Oh anthology series where like a new, every episode will be a different series about like the stories within the cards instead of just uh, being in the anime. I always thought that'd be such a cool concept. Like, <laughs> Well, when you're in Japan, just are you going to get out of the Konami office? Can you visit the building or something? Uh, yeah, probably. Yep. Yes, put that on the map. Talk to them about this Yu-Gi-Oh! idea. Could you imagine if you could go there and get an interview with somebody for like, be like, hey, I'm in a podcast from Nova Scotia. They'll be like, Russia? What? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> Where is Nova Scotia? Um, Actually, funny enough, unrelated to Konami, um, <laughs> I know going away from Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, there was this old Resident Evil game called Resident Evil Outbreak. It was like uh, one of the first like online surface Resident Evil games way back in like 2003, 2004. It was only ever for PC and only ever in Japan, uh, even in the arcade systems and stuff like that. So. Eventually, the series didn't really take off, and they didn't really feel the need to release it globally. And they just the game just kind of slowly died off, and, and well, Capcom shelved it. But then uh, there's a lot of like diehard fans that still wanted to play the game. So what they so one guy had the crazy idea. It's like, what if, what if I just go to Cohen, uh, Capcom and see if they still have the servers for this game? So he goes up to the office like, hey, do you have the servers for Resident Evil Outbreak? And they're like. Yeah, sure. Why? He's like, oh, I'm trying to see if I can uh, boot up the servers again, get people playing. He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. I, we have it right here. Go for it. <laughs> and then they just gave him the servers, and then he uh, hooked everything up to one of his PCs, and now you can just play Resident Evil Outbreak uh, because online, of one you know? guy. Because of one guy, he just asked nicely. <laughs> see, that's awesome. It's funny how like things that are so massive and important to fans can get discarded 
discarded by the companies and they mean so much to so many more people like i always wonder where the disconnect is there that they don't have that realization themselves you know that there is an audience still for something like that yeah i know right it's 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 kind of weird like that's how like a lot of old series especially with like retro games a lot of ips kind of died out because nobody well they felt that they'll be really asking for a lot of these series to come back for so you kind of just live and die on those series, unfortunately, which is really cool. And some people really bring them up back uh, to be played on newer services. I know. It is cool when it happens. Your camera is frozen. Ah. Oh. Uh, anyways, I've shied away from it a bit too often. So how did actually you play this game? <laughs> uh, thankfully, um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Every time you, like, if you're buying an actual physical card set, they actually present to you, like, an actual rule book and how to kind of play the game huh and actually very recently uh Yu-Gi-Oh released a kind of a comic book series to go with uh, a a new two-player set where it's a it kind of tells you how to how to place the cards uh, because it's all in like a formatted deck where they'll show you like all right with this deck here's how you're going to do it and here's how you're going to play like in the show follow exactly what you do in the comic book and that's how you can loosely play the game, and then you're now free to play the game however you wish. That's kind of that fun. Cool... Yeah, it's a cool little thing. It comes with two decks, which is unheard of. Most of the time, it comes with one deck uh, for anything like that. Huh, uh, that's is... cool. But yeah, so a lot of times they come with... Uh, this is a really old one. They'll come with a little... Uh... Oh my god, a little plastic thing that's like this, showing you all the zones. So... Uh, I'll try to describe this for audio listeners here. So, there's approximately um, seven zones, uh, well, between seven zones, like 14 zones, and then one spot for your deck to go in, and then one spot for an extra deck to go in, which I'll explain a bit. So, uh, for the biggest thing that Yu-Gi-Oh! has is the monsters and the spells and traps. Now, spells and traps pretty much uh, help you... um, Activate things that monsters can do. Monsters are pretty much as what you use to as a like a frontline assault defense because both players start off with eight thousand life points. And the goal of the game is to reduce your opponent's life points to zero. Uh, so a lot of uh, so if I have Dark Magician on the field, uh, uh, he has twenty five hundred. I attack my opponent directly. Uh, he loses twenty five hundred life points. He's now at fifty five hundred life points. I'm now closer to winning than uh, my opponent is because of that aspect. Hmm. And the spells and traps would simply just help out in other features. And like uh, this, for example, with uh, this card example, I play it spell card that can only activate during my turn. Uh, I can look at the top three cards. And if it's a Dark Magician card that has like anything referenced in this guy, I can add it to my hand. Uh, and then there's trap cards where uh, you probably heard the infamous saying from like this from Yu-Gi-Oh in particular, where... Uh, hey you've activated my trap card and it has a card face down here and then you're like oh uh i have an actual trap card somewhere yeah it's like oh no it's like you caught in my trap oh i had this all planned out ha 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 <laughs> and then the if it fades away to the graveyard or sorts so the graveyard can only be temporary right like you can resurrect stuff out of the graveyard you mentioned a long time ago yeah so say if um uh, on my zones here. Sorry, audio listeners. If you if <laughs> if you destroy my dark magician, right? He doesn't stay on the field. He goes to the graveyard. So he's not on the field. No board presence. I'm now wide open instead of just 
having a dash pile of four cards to go into. And then there's uh, cards like uh, Monster Reborn, a spell card. This lets me special summon a monster from either player's graveyard. So I can special summon a Dark Magician from my graveyard or uh, one of my opponent's monsters from their graveyard who I can use to counteract and fight, yada, yada, yada. So is there a limit to how much stuff can be held in the graveyard? Like, is the graveyard, because of the Egyptian kind of paranormal stuff in the game, is basically like a world between worlds, isn't it? Before you're actually finally gonzo dead? Yeah, because uh, it takes a lot of aspects from the original series of, uh, of Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, uh, the Egyptian gods, uh, the main things in here, they, it really takes a lot of hemorrhage from them uh, with monsters, graveyards, and field presence and all that stuff. Even even tributing counts as sacrificing. Like this monster here, it's seven stars. I would need two monsters on the field themselves, like these guys, tribute one, tribute two, as sacrifice to summon a stronger monster on my field. And it, it takes a lot of aspects of that, and obviously with the graveyard, even reference of that, to make sure like uh, things stay in the dead, or reference in the dead of sorts. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, and then there is ways to get monsters out of the graveyard, like I showed you with Monster Reborn. Uh, but that's just one way, and that's also just like there's a whole other zone of banishment, but it's a whole other kind of can of worms. And then there's another aspect. Say, uh, I have a token on the field, and then I have an extra deck I can use. This deck is used outside of your regular deck. You don't mix them. You don't mix the two. Because these are monsters you can use uh, that are available to you at any time that you can summon uh, outside of just your hand. Because you have a hand that consists of five cards, usually. Uh, well, it's not even five cards. Uh, <laughs> <two>. <laughs> you, you draw five cards in your opening turn. And then that's what you have to use to play the game. Uh, I see you have a trap. I have three spells and a monster. So I should be uh, good to uh, start a play. I uh, would summon a monster to me, monster zone. Level four or lowers are the only ones that can be summoned once without a sacrifice or anything like that. And then I can play my spells however I want. And then if since I know I'm going first, I can now set a trap card to scare my opponent or whatever. Like, oh, now I have a face down uh, to make sure my uh, I'm ready for whatever my opponent's next move is. So when you put a trapped card, a trap card down face down, that's the only card that you're putting down face down in the game, right? So they know that it's a trap card that you've got. Actually, there's a different aspect to Yu-Gi-Oh as well. So say you, my spells here in my hand, these are the uh, kind of greenish teal cards. And then trap cards are kind of like the uh, more uh, pinkish, violet, uh, violet cards. So say if I don't want my opponent to really hit my, uh, my trap card, right? Like, oh, okay, I can actually place these face down without activating these cards as face down cards as bait. So uh, it's like, oh, he has a trap card set down. Oh, one of these is going to interact with me. I'm going to destroy uh, this card. Boom. It's a spell. I, I dodged a bullet. Now he can't target my trap that I can use on him at some point. Hmm. Even like, uh, even like with monsters, say uh, if I have my monster set up here with 1500 attack, uh, this is where I learned um, a lot of uh, math, funny enough. <laughs> I really learned a lot of uh, well, my writing, uh, reading, and math from Yu-Gi-Oh, thankfully. Uh, you should tell uh, them that when you go to the office in Japan. Be like, I owe my academic skills to this card game. 
Yeah, honestly, because a lot of the cards they throw out here are insane. Because, like, uh. <laughs> Link Monsters throw a battle and you lose the field because of one's card effect. You can special summon this. Uh, you can only use it once per turn. Like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and you said uh, these. Uh, what was the time limit, limit again for, like, a match? Uh, so, yes, in official matches, so say if I'm dueling in a tournament, uh, you every, uh, each duel is approximately about, like, uh, about 40 to an hour between both opponents. Because a lot of times a duel can last between 15 minutes to like like 40 minutes givingly. Because uh, of how back and forth the duels can be. Uh, of how I'm doing to my opponent, I'm doing to this opponent. And your goal is is to get the best of two. So if I beat my opponent once and then I beat my opponent second time, that automatically ends the set. Say that's only like a half hour. Uh, the set is over. Uh, I go on to the next duel. Uh, t uh, slide into it. But say if um, I win, then my opponent beats me, then it's a uh, best of third duel, and then the, the, the duel, whoever wins that between that one, uh, obviously goes on to the next. And that's, that's why it has a little hour to really like let players play, just so they don't feel too rushed. But uh, it, it's enough time to let at least three sets of games to go past. Hmm. One, one, two, or three games of each, pretty much. So how much like if there were two expert players, would they just like whip through a game really quickly? You think? Uh, it, yeah, I would probably say I would say like experts that you would see playing uh, YCS the Yu-Gi-Oh championships, you'd probably see them get through games at least like before the uh, twenty-minute mark, maybe the half-hour mark at most. Even if it's like two, uh, all three games at once. <sighs> God damn. And if uh. And even if, um, like, say you're going into over, like, you're about to go into overtime, right? And it's a third duel. Uh, you you have you have one win. Your opponent has one win. But let's say uh, my the difference in attack, like, I attacked my Dark Magician over my uh, Sky Striker Ray. My Sky Striker Ray only has fifteen hundred attack, but my Dark Magician is a uh, twenty five hundred attack. So since Dark Magician is a higher attack, I destroy Ray. That's a thousand difference. So now I lose a thousand light points. I'm now at seven thousand light points. That puts my opponent ahead of me in the game. And if uh, the game, uh, if the timer ends and it's still at that state where my opponent has more light points than I am, my opponent automatically wins the duel. Even if this is the only Dark Magician in the field and I have more cards in the field, if I, if my, uh, whoever has more light points at the end of that set is the automatic winner. Damn. Okay. It's just it's just to help balance out instead of people just stalling and uh, fluctuating the decks or duels of sorts. Is there ever like a gridlock situation where like nobody can go? Uh, there was some instances like that. That's why uh, Yu-Gi-Oh has a ban list uh, to make sure some certain cards aren't played. <laughs> um, because they recently broke the, a lot of their own rules with this aspect. There's even some cards consistently called like infinite loops. Hmm. Where it's say uh, there's a, well, a few phases in this in the Yu-Gi-Oh, right? There's the draw phase where I would draw one card. Uh, then there's standby phase where it's kind of a brief moment. Um, cards can be activated, either trap cards or other anything like that. And then it goes into main phase one. And that's when you can activate any of your spells, traps, even so even already set, and summon your monsters. Then there's a battle phase where you would actually attack with your monsters. And then there's a uh, main phase two where you can stop attacking and plan, uh, make an aftermath of battle plan. Like, oh crap, I lost two of my monsters. I can now plan afterwards. 
going to end my turn, which would be the end phase. Uh, but there's some cards that, uh, in this, in specifically in the standby phase, where they cause like an infinite loop, where it just made if, if that standby phase never end. <laughs> so they both players just are just watching this endless destruction effect. That's some aspects of how comes some mechanics in Yu-Gi-Oh got. Uh, so to it just caused an infinite loop, and it caused like a DNF. The duel is pretty much has to go into the next round because the, there's no plays that can be made to stop this or whatever. So <laughs> there's got to be somebody out there who's making a career and getting paid at being a Yu-Gi-Oh ref at some big games. I feel like somewhere. Yeah, they're actually. Uh, I don't know if it's like an actual like stable career. <laughs> you could probably volunteer and be like a like an actual. Like, even if I wanted to, like, I can actually, like, say if I participate in enough uh, tournament duels, I can actually apply to be a co- uh, a judge. Whoa. So You should do it. So, yeah, I know, right? It would, be, would be so the, awesome. Uh, they would be the uh, the ones that make the final call. So say if, like, uh, both opponents are having a dispute, like, uh, my Egyptian god, sa- my card says I can just, dis- if I play a thousand light points, I can destroy any card I want. And then my, and then his opponent saying, like, uh... You're lying. I bullshit. That's I don't I don't believe you at all. That's not what that card text says. And then they're arguing the schematics of how this card works. They'll call a judge over and be like, "Hey, so here's our dispute. Is this how this card works? Is he using this correctly, or is he wrong and he's using it incorrectly?" And then he would the judge would pick a side. Like, all right, this guy is using this card correctly. That's what the card text says. What this card does. So he's in the right. Move on with the duel. So he would play his whatever destroy card and guys like ah, and then lets the duels continue i wonder if the judge or the referee ever has to like call a certain person who like designed a card and they're like what did you mean by this exactly you know there's some card especially really <clears throat> older cards where it's really confusing uh writing and i think it's just sometimes i just didn't know how to how the game was going to work and it's just really confusing sentences like, uh, if this card sent to the graveyard, you shuffle both players' decks in the graveyards back together and then draw a set amount of cards equal to what they did. Then it's like, what is that? Like, do you merge each other's decks like that? You, you and your opponents? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Huh. Like you shuffle each you shuffle each other's decks as one in uh, graveyards. And then obviously that just doesn't make any sense. Like, why would I be using my opponent's great cards? But anyways. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like everybody needs to be agreed that like we're not gonna listen to some of the rules on other cards maybe vintage cards because i'm sure all the new ones coming out wouldn't be that confusing right yeah yeah you're absolutely right heck uh even um even the monster i showed you before uh the sky striker ray uh this monster is a much more newer one and uh there's some acronyms where they just reduce the amount of text on a card. So say, like, if this card's sent to the graveyard, you can spe- uh, special summon it from the graveyard. It, it says graveyard quite a lot in this text because of that. So instead of saying graveyard, they say GY, which just means... Oh, I see. Sure. The lingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you hold that one up cl- close to the camera? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a really shiny card. Hopefully the light isn't too bad on it. Uh... It won't focus on it for some reason this time around. Gosh darn it. Can you Sorry, go any closer? I can. Maybe we can force the camera. Eh, it won't do. There we go. <laughs> it did it. Okay. Sweet. Hey, there we go. Yeah, she's a pretty one. It was very shiny. <laughs> yeah, I feel like so are the holographic ones. Are they all kind of 
Do the majority of the cards get built with that stuff, or is that a special thing? Uh, this is a special thing. This one, actually, if you look at the uh, two differences here. Um, sorry, audio listeners who just... <laughs> uh, so, these two uh, cards, you can see that this one's kind of shiny, and this one's super shiny. Uh, even the rims out here, you can see like a golden thin border on it, and this one does not. Oh, uh, yeah. So what the, this one came out of um, an actual, uh, it's called it's called the Eldorado pack, where it was supposed to be everything gold themed in this deck. So every card that was released in that set had this gold border. And this is how the regular card borders look like without any of the gold stuff even still being all shiny and whatnot. God damn. People must have wrote Yu-Gi-Oh books about all these things to look for, right? On these cards. Like, there's got to be a lot of text about all yeah, the variations. Yeah, but- yeah, this is a Gen 1 card, and this is a, like a Gen 8. You can see the difference how many card letters are in their uh, box set. Like, Ray has a whole paragraph, and Dark Magician Girl only has a sentence. <laughs> Damn. What? So what are your... Do you have any cards where you, like, really wanted to show anybody who's watching? Like, were there any top cards that you had aside that you wanted to show? Or you were just going to play through it? Uh, I can do a bit of both, but did I put this card away? Yeah, yeah. So I've been, uh, obviously I have like a huge collection of sorts since I've been collecting since 2005. Back in uh, the day. The last, back in the day. And I've like, like I've been collecting cards since, uh, obviously I was young. And so I've had to, I've had to keep track of a lot of them. Like, oh my God, like how do I keep track of all these cards or even just at least take care of them? Unfortunately, because I've been collecting so long and back even when I was a young idiot, I ruined a lot of my cards because <laughs> we just heavily played them. Um, but I have a, a binder of sorts of all uh, a bunch of my Yu-Gi-Oh cards I've collected over the years. That's crazy. And you don't actually have an inventory written down, do you? Uh, unfortunately, no, because I, I collected so much. It's like, do I really want to go? Because like, last time I counted all my cards was in 2018, and I roughly counted 3,300 cards. Dear God. <laughs> That's crazy. It's so many so many cards, and I have them loosely organized. Um, and then this folder was just to keep all my ones that are super shiny intact in their okay format, so like they're not like just everywhere of sorts. So if you're going to go play a game in real life, will you go through your book and you take out all the ones you want, and then you put those in individual sleeve protectors, and then get that deck ready. Yeah, as you can see here, um, this is the Seal of Oricalco's card. Uh, this is in a card sleeve that I could put in a deck that I want. Um, but, so I would put it in a deck that I'm planning to use instead of just hat holding them here. Because even this card here, uh, which actually has a pretty cool uh, uh, in design on it. Uh, not particularly, but if you look at it really shiny up close. Da, 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 da. Maybe, hopefully, that camera's working right. So, sorry, audio listeners. It's supposed to be like... It uh, worked. Stardust sprinkles all over the card. Oh, yeah, that's cool. You know, if there's people listening, you just got to go to YouTube and watch the video. Sorry. Because it'll you're not going to get the full... Because if we're explaining it, it's going to be better to see it, I think. God damn I think it. you can if if you're like just listening to it. I recommend just even if just uh, going to YouTube and seeing this. Yeah, I, I, like like if, if you obviously have no time, but uh, <laughs> no, I but, mean uh, this yeah. could be an ASMR Yu-Gi-Oh with Sully. 
yeah. You just start like flipping through your book really slowly and like taking cards in and out really gently. All right, All right. this is page 182 just for you. <laughs> we should totally do one just for fun. That would be hilarious. <laughs> it's not even me describing cards. Like I'm now on page 130. <laughs> Oh now my! On page 139. Somebody <laughs> up there would type in Yu-Gi-Oh ASMR, and they would love that. I bet there's got to be an audience for that. Oh, oh, we get we will get a really weird audience from that one. That's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm willing to do that. We'll get we'll do it. Um. So, how many cards can you take out of there? Like if you were going to go play a game, how many different decks would you make, or would you know that you could? mix them up once you end one match and go to the next one with another person like could you take your decks and mix them all up again and make a couple of new ones out of what you brought with you so yeah so i can still bring this binder with me um there's a whole um with the tcg called uh, trading card game um since cards uh, are sold and traded quite a lot so i would bring this binder say if it was like oh i'm actually going to sell these cards or trade these cards for someone else's cards so like, hey, I have um, three Egyptian god slifers here. I would trade you some of these for one, some of your rare cards. Uh, so people would just have binders like this that go on for a while. As well, like me. I'm not the only one who does it. <laughs> and, uh, so since I would have like, say I'll have two binders here. Here's one binder I'm willing to sell. And these one binders I'm willing to just like keep to myself and just hold for me to look at, mm -hmm. essentially. Man, they should have a Yu-Gi-Oh booth at Halcon. Do they ever do Yu-Gi-Oh stuff? You mentioned that they they don't really, right? No, unfortunately, Yu-Gi-Oh is still I So okay, going on to uh Magic the Gathering, uh the other very popular card games uh created by Wizards of the Coast to make D&D of sorts. Um this is the most dominating card game uh like Yu-Gi-Oh in the Maritimes. Um, there's very little area, uh, spaces that do offer like just tournaments and areas for Yu-Gi-Oh. A lot of times you're going to see nothing but Magic the Gathering. Heck, even at Halcon, to get people into the game, they have a whole booth set up set up where they'll give you a free Magic deck to let pe players get into Yu-Gi-Oh and, oh not Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic the Gathering. I didn't play. even know Magic was still happening. I remember when I was a kid, Magic the Gathering was really popular, but <laughs> she's still going strong, eh? Yes, and keeps going stronger. Because uh, Magic the Gathering, unlike Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh tries to create its own IPs and archetypes within itself. Magic the Gathering kind of still does that, uh, but they started recently to branch out from themselves. But they also been going a lot longer than Yu-Gi-Oh. I think Ma Magic the Gathering's been going on either since like the late 80s or like the early 90s, I remember, if I remember right. I definitely you know? remember it popular when I was in elementary school, and that would have been in like 89 and 90. In 91. Yeah. They, they, they've been going strong for quite a while. Um, Back in the day. Because they were making cards based on their D&D characters that you can play as. And that's how that got really popular. Especially D&D. Mm, &D. That's Back cool. then was super popular. So every card, main character you can see in here is loosely based off of D&D cards. What the hell? I did not know that. That's really strange. Yeah, because <clears> the <throat> Coast makes both of these. Um, so you play but, Magic as well. I adapted to Magic because everyone wanted to play Magic. And it was like, I don't want to play. 
I don't want to play Yu-Gi-Oh! You know, there's like so many things going on. There's like like five phases, and then there's like waifus and shit. What, what's with the teenage girl? Why am I summoning her? I want to summon an orc and attack you with an axe. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I don't need to watch it. I don't need. I don't want to watch an anime to know what I'm doing. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. God damn. Well, yeah. I guess you know, it's they're they're missing out. You know, they can stick to their orcs. At least there's more. I guess it sounds like there's more variety in Yu-Gi-Oh for different stuff. I don't know. Yeah, because obviously I, I I just poke fun at my own series. There's obviously like uh, even dragons and like orcs and stuff in Yu-Gi-Oh as well. Heck, there's a whole archetype based on goblins. <laughs> you can just summon different goblins, activate different kind of goblin card effects and such like that. And why goofy, wouldn't just, you? You know, right? Uh, and Magic, uh, what they did to really branch variety in themselves in their own card game is they started doing crossovers with different series. Uh, so they crossed over with um, like Transformers. What? Uh, they, did a whole, they implemented Transformers into their card game to have a whole Transformer aspect in the cards. And, like, I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. yeah it, it was a whole rabbit hole. They even released uh, card sleeves, essentially, like a just. <laughs> That looks sleeve. cool though. Like I feel like yeah. you should you should have any customizable sleeve for a card. Actually, that's what this is. This is not an official card sleeve. This is just a customizable card sleeve for uh, Skycheck Array. Because you could technically print your own ones, right? You can, yeah. You just put uh, your face on all of them, so people will know they're yours. There's also some where uh, <laughs> you have to have like a PG rating for your. Uh, even just a card mat, because you can make your own custom mat that isn't just with my uh, my noble knights here. You can have, like, uh, uh, I don't have any of my mats here with me. Anyways, I have one of them that's, like, all based on, like, uh, like old Japanese samurai that are all zombies. Which <laughs> And then I have one that's uh, a bunch of fiends-type monsters with uh, kind of menacing, look like demented from hell. Jeez. And then I, have, then I have one where it has, like, a... a the dark magician girls uh and dark magician up against a blue eyes by dragon um so they kind of it's advertised in every tournament since there's obviously there's going to be kids there also trying to learn how to play the game participating in these tournaments to keep it pg because there's some unfortunately degenerate players who would have like oh my god i want dark magician girl as a mat but i want her titties out so oh yeah there's always (laughs) those that crowd there's there's always that crowd, no matter where you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, not, they're not just in Yu-Gi-Oh, but obviously any series in general. <laughs> the Magic the <laughs> Gathering series. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, yeah, that's how Magic the Gathering kept the flow, because they did one with Transformers. Then they crossed over with uh, uh, <laughs> Street Fighter. They crossed over Street Fighter as well. <laughs> you can play as Guile and Chun-Li. And Magic? Ryu. Wait, who owns Magic? Is it is it Konami? Uh, Magic the oh, Gathering is owned Cal- by Wizards Wizards of the Coast. Right. They're all, they, they also own D&D. And Street Fighter is like, Capcom, right? Yeah, Street Fighter is Capcom. Hmm. Yep. It's so weird. We'll have to play it. That's all there <laughs> is to it. Funny enough, it's actually... like Okay, so... What I love about Yu-Gi-Oh! is that it's actually easier to play online than, it, uh, than Magic the Gathering. There isn't really many actual... like. App, many apps to play Magic the Gathering like uh, everywhere fluently. So Yu-Gi-Oh has two uh, mobile apps. Um, one's called Yu-Gi-Oh Master Duel and Yu-Gi-Oh Duel Links. 
Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel takes a heavy inspiration from how playing uh, the actual card game is like. And then Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links is like, how do you, how do you, how about you want to play the, like the anime, right? You can uh, play as your favorite character and get different abilities, help you power through the game uh, of sorts instead of just being locked to just how the regular format is. Because in the anime, funny enough, uh, you only have 4,000 life points, and where in the actual card game, you have 8,000 life points, which is really weird. That is weird. By then. That's a big difference. Yeah, it's a really big difference. Because they, they're trying to make the games last longer originally, just so it, if 4,000 life points, like there's, there's some cards that are like, oh, inflict like 2,000 damage to your opponent, and then you have two of those, two, two 4,000 damage, your opponent's dead, and then end, it, end the game. <laughs> Damn. So... There's a lot of cards in the anime that are like that, and to shoo away from that, they made uh, they just doubled the life cap of eight thousand to make games more interactive and longer. So has anybody died playing one of these games, Sully? <laughs> <laughs> has there ever been a scandal? Has anything crazy happened that you know uh, of? I, actually, there's an actually <clears throat> a pretty wholesome story. Um, I'll just show. I'll just start bring. I'll just showing some of the cards that I bring out. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, if there's anything so, really cool. Point it right up to the camera so it'll go into focus. I'm just going to just showcase cards as I talk about this story. Um, so, uh, in I think this was in uh, late 90s or uh, in early 2000s, there was a, a Make-A-Wish foundation. Uh, foundation. Um, There's a uh, kid in, I think he was in high school, uh, named Tyler. He actually developed brain cancer, unfortunately. And so he, on Make-A-Wish, he was like, hey, can I have, um, uh, can I have my own Yu-Gi-Oh card? <laughs> can I have my own Yu-Gi-Oh card made? And then Make-A-Wish is like, uh, we will see what we can do. <laughs> so they sent this Make-A-Wish over to uh, Kazuki Takahashi uh, uh, with Konami and whatnot. It's like, hey, do you, what's your interest in making like a Make-A-Wish card for this kid with brain cancer? It doesn't seem like he has much longer to live. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? So, he said yes, funny enough. And this is actually the only time he's ever said yes to this. This is a one-in-a-lifetime kind of chance for Tyler here. Even with just Make-A-Wish in general. So, they made a card exclusively just for Tyler. And they, and then Kazuki Takahashi actually made a bunch of rough drafts and talking with Tyler and what card, he, uh, how he wants it to look, what's the card's name, what he wanted to do. Uh... Since it was a one time a card, uh, he, he they sent him a bunch of rough drafts to see if like Tyler even liked the, the cards. So you can see different variations of how this card came out. That's and crazy. Yeah, I know, right? And the card came out to be called Tyler the Great Warrior, uh, based after him. And then they actually, uh, funny enough, they actually made the card in front of Tyler after it was all said and done. And then he had it. Unfortunately, he wasn't allowed to like really like play with it. Uh, it got sealed in a like a card case where uh, not card case but like a card display uh like it got manufactured sealed where it was it'll forever be in like mint condition <laughs> damn <laughs> for yeah so it had like instrumental value and uh, you you were saying that he sold it eventually didn't you or is it up for sale spoilers he tyler the great warrior he actually did survive brain cancer um and then went to uh, live on and then since he had this card in his back pocket for a while, he held on to it for uh, obviously for about twenty years, so, uh, twenty so odd years, because of sentimental value. Because what the card meant to him, it meant to him like surviving brain cancer and like how it helped him and his family at, at the time to really power through it. So 
by the time he uh, uh in the twenties now, he, I think he was like in his like late thirties. Um, he wanted um he wanted to see more for his life, and he, since he you now he has a lady and he has a family, he's starting up. He really wanted to really um make a for, well, living for himself. So he decided like, what if I instead of just keeping the card on me, what if I sell it to a collector to have it like in a museum of sorts because of the the story and value this card has instead of just lo uh, picking up dust in his closet. So then he worked with like uh, the, the various uh, card collectors and PSA graders to look at it, grade it, uh, and, and get it on the market to sell. And this card eventually uh, put on bid on eBay. Uh, it sold for about $311,000. Jeez. And Funny enough, people are, are really heavy debated on this because they really think it should have sold for more. Because there was one card, I think it was like the Blackluster's Ultra card. I'm pretty sure it sold. Uh, it was a tournament-only card that you can only collect during the, the very first tournament of Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, that got gone out to winner championships. I think this card eventually sold down the line, I think, about 17 years later to about uh, like uh, almost a million dollars or about a million dollars. Hmm, that is and, weird. But there's reprints of that card, right? You can still use variations of this, that card. Tyler the Great Warrior is a one of a kind. You can't. He was the only one even allowed to even use this card technically. So, so it is in a museum now, or somebody bought it to use in a game. Uh, nobody plays with this card. <laughs> the collector who bought it, he does. He just keeps it in a display case. Uh, just a memoir. Of, uh, keep a memorabilia of the history of this card. Hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, and they've never done a reprint of it as a special edition thing ever. They never done a reprint because they thought it was going to be the one and only. And well, actually, it is the one and only variation <clears throat> of this card. Crazy. And people were upset that it's undersold for so well because people thought like it should have sold for more. Which I actually kind of agree. I kind of think it should have sold for more. Um, but I guess uh, Tyler wasn't really too set on making like. I think he was already well off himself from his work and what he was doing. And he didn't even really play Yu-Gi-Oh! anymore. Uh, so he, he he just like opted off into a, like a healthy amount that he thought was nice for himself. So he ended up just selling it off for $811,000. Damn. This isn't the highest kind of card selling in uh, even just card games in general. Uh, I believe um, Pokemon, uh, it has their... Uh, trading card games in their system since Pokemon tried to capitalize on the same idea that Yu-Gi-Oh was doing since they were like, oh my god, there people collect cards, people love this, we gotta do that with Pokemon. And they make their own card game based off of Pokemon. Doesn't yeah. play like the video game. So I wonder what the most expensive card ever is. Uh, I believe it's a Pokemon card. Or No, actually, actually, this is very, that's wrong because I mean, I that was old information because recently I believe um, there was a new Lord of the Rings set that <laughs> that did a collab with Magic the Gathering. Goddamn Magic! What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Magic, uh, Wizards of the Coast decided to release a one of a kind card of uh, the One Ring based on Lord of the Rings. And so they wanted this one card to be the only card ever printed for this series. And with that, uh, I think it was Post Malone who. Uh, who found the guy who pulled the card because they were doing card revealings like I'm doing it right now and showcasing like here's what I'm pulling and they're showing their hands, showing their, all their stuff. Uh, he bought the off the card off him for a million dollars. Post Malone. Like, Post Malone. He's a he's a 
rapper. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So he's a big fan. He's a big Magic the Gathering fan, and then he's like, I really want this card. And then so he bought it off of him, and I'm pretty sure I, I'm pretty sure he just collects it instead of actually playing with it. That's hilarious. There's so many it's sweet a, things in people's collections. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's funny, too, because uh, what they did for that card, uh, instead of printing it in English, uh, they actually decided to print it in Elven, like in uh, the series. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Like, It'll get you. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the most expensive cards ever sold. Damn. And how much was that again? I think it was I think it was about either a, a million or 1.5 million dollars. Dear god. I guess it'll go up in price though, no matter what. Yeah, you definitely would. <laughs> so what are you uh, what are you building one. here on the camera? So right now I'm just showcasing some of my decks because uh, they're varieties. Um this is my zombie deck that I have in general. This is my, my favorite deck to use because uh even this has a bunch of variety of zombie cards. You can see here where it's just uh, two zombies singing karaoke together. <laughs> they, those zombies are definitely drunk. Yeah. I just love the variation of, like, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! has. Like, obviously, there's goofiness like that. And then there's a... Uh, uh, and here's a really detailed card of a guy sitting in, like, the mallish city. Hopefully, well, it focuses well. If you go bring it up a little bit closer, it might do it. <laughs> Come on. There we go. If you listen a little bit closer, audio listeners, you can see it too. Just go to the YouTube <laughs> channel and click the damn button. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it looks like the artwork is vastly different on all those. Like, there's yeah, no consistent it, vibe through any of those that I've seen when you show them to me in person, which is yeah, good. It, like, I think that's awesome. Like, I, th I also think it's pretty dope. Having variety in uh, cards, I think, is uh, much more... Uh, better instead of just having like one set like this is just like a, a skull dragon of sorts yeah well, bizarre and then uh you obviously have like <laughs> the goofiness of these cards here uh but yes uh i wonder if i had the other card for this i don't think i do uh, i'm just gonna batch these together <laughs> uh but yeah, any questions you got for me as I fix this up? It's just funny because there's so much variety in all the different cards. It's like the opposite of Andor's art department. <laughs> you just had to bring up Andor, huh? <laughs> uh, I had to say it. I just need uh, everything to be rust orange and green. I don't care what planet it is. It's got to be green or orange, all right, Sully? Don't deviate. <laughs> Get this Lord of the Flies stuff out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry cool. for people who like Andor. Uh, Andor is great. We're having fun. We're here for fun. I, I, I do love Andor. It's actually one of my favorite shows I've watched this year. Well, See? There you go. This year. This year, yeah. You should watch For All Mankind. That show is great. Dude, for the first time ever, Darwin has come on the podcast. I don't know if you can see him. I, I can't see anything. <laughs> oh, we've got a cat just hanging out next to me for the first time. Hell just yeah. Living I, it I, up. I remember always seeing like Marty or something. Like, oh my god, it's a cameo. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. We'll have a whole cat podcast eventually. It'll be like run the jewels. We'll just meow everything. Meow the jewels. Um So with Yu-Gi-Oh! Do you think that 
there's got to be a big portion of the fans who just know the anime that don't play the card game, right? Like, they're just fans of the show. Yeah, yeah there is a big discrepancy between, like, um, people who just competitively play the game and people who just know it from the anime. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, like Yu-Gi-Oh! is still like, haha, you activated my trap card, right? It's like, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! has kind of grown past that kind of phase where uh, it really, like, outgrew its source material, like I said before. And it's a lot faster pace. And there's a lot more stuff going on and how the game works and how uh, metas shift into it. Uh, so a lot more to take in mind. And that creates a discrepancy between like, all right, so who is the actual audience for Yu-Gi-Oh! 4? If it's if people who are only watching the anime, if they like, they buy and collect the cards and they play the TCG, uh, it isn't like how they thought it was going to be. Because they thought it was going to be somewhat like, close to how the anime is. But sometimes like... Uh, you play a game and you just get completely demolished. You have like no, almost no opportunity to play because of how uh, a fast pace some decks can be, and that drives away a lot of old school players or even returning players. To say if like I played Yu-Gi-Oh back in 2005, I should be able to do this and do that, and but, but it doesn't really apply to like a well, modern day Yu-Gi-Oh is capable of anymore. Uh, since Yu-Gi-Oh really tried to adapt and make things fresh many times over the course of his 25 years. Uh, to, uh, for um, all of its audiences there, and even this year, um, Konami celebrating its 25th anniversary. Uh, like, I think they did a the hoisted tournament last week, uh, showcasing Konami animation and all that. They did a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament, but to they decided to do a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament to appeal to anime watchers and people who grew up watching OG Duel Monsters. So with that series, uh. With that Yu-Gi-Oh tournament, it was like, oh, I summon like a man-eater bug, and I destroy one monster in the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of the people who play Yu-Gi-Oh competitively, they weren't as intrigued in watching this. It's like, why am I watching this kind of play style from like twenty years ago? Yeah, well, isn't it with yeah, Pokemon? Pokemon, they, it's like almost like they reinvent themselves to the different thing because remember when Pokemon was it called Pokemon Go, the one where it had the augmented reality thing? Yeah, where you the find Pokemon them. Go. So it's like people were getting obsessed with that, but before that they were obsessed with the card game or they were obsessed with the show or they were obsessed with the Pokemon Stadium or they were, you know, there's just so many different things that people were getting obsessed with about it. It's crazy. Maybe there'll be some yeah. crazy Yu-Gi-Oh! Go thing with AR, yeah, that's VR. What, that's what I've been hoping for all my life, dude. If I can pull up with the... Uh... I haven't even touched on it. There's a Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel disc that goes on the protagonist's arms, and they just play Yu-Gi-Oh! like that. Like, I have five cards, just straddle across my arm, and I can set all my spells and traps, instead of it being a tabletop game. Uh, I told you, I'm all, I won't even play unless I have that. Yeah, the only reason why uh, people don't play that, because it, it's just too uh, uncanny, unfeasible to do. You'd be holding your arm up, uh, for so long, uh, uh, so many periods of time, where it just becomes like weight on your arm, and then you're like, "Oh crap! I have to put my arm down. I don't want to spill my deck. Oh my god, my deck's spilling on the floor because there's only like a deck slot." And you're like, "Ah, my cards are spilling all over the floor." Somebody just... needs to redesign it and make it better. For yeah, real life. There's, there's one thing actually. Uh, one YouTuber he actually had a good theory and like, how do we actually make Yu-Gi-Oh like uh, feasible? Uh, on the arm, because everybody wants to play on the arm. 
<laughs> You're no exception. Everyone's like, I want to play like in the anime. I'm not playing it unless I play like in the anime. Because <laughs> it's such a cool way to play Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, I'm but surprised they haven't done that yet, to be honest. Like, I'm surprised they haven't done that. I mean, they did, uh, but obviously just... It, it just it was too unfeasible, and obviously you just people would rather play in the card game. Because say you're in a tournament and you're going to be playing for six hours, you're going to really want to have a dual disc on your arm standing yes. up playing like all the. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking to yeah. a person who wears a proton pack for a long period of time at forty years <laughs> of age. So maybe there's a way to three D print it. I should look on Etsy because I noticed that the toys when we were looking them up, me and you and Henry. Just getting it out of package, like a vintage one, is so expensive, and it, it doesn't make sense to use that one. Yeah, the uh, obviously even the dual disc themselves, it, especially from the original series where they have their dual disc, it costs so much. Um, obviously, because they're now collectors' items now more than anything. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> there was one YouTuber who had a good idea. So say if I um. They make a new series of Yu-Gi-Oh! where you collect cards like you do, except the cards are kind of like, they kind of work like credit cards. They have a slash into it. So say if I I have my physical deck in my hand, and instead of an, the dual disc that you put separate cards into it, it's like a tablet that goes in your arm. Then it's like, oh, I, uh, I have in my hand my uh, my cards. I would like slash a credit card and it'll summon Dark Magician like hmm. uh, because I slashed them as a credit card. That's interesting. Then it'll loot up the tablet with me and my opponents, and I can look at what my opponent is doing in my tablet and see what cards he's doing. Because another aspect of uh, the duel that had failed, we had me and my opponent would have to be really close to each other, and I was like, "Is that card say what it is?" And then as you can see, there's really small text within Yu-Gi-Oh, because uh, <laughs> they're on such thin pieces of cardboard. Um, so to save time on asking questions of your opponent, like I can just look on my tablet, see what his card does, etc. That's what it, one theory is out there to really like make actual do this feasible. Oh, it's not happening. The way, not the way people would like, obviously, but it's just it would be a reformation of the cards itself. But that's the most realistic way I can see of a Yu-Gi-Oh dual disc. Era. I think they should do an Apple Vision Pro version where you. <laughs> tack it to your arm so it's the digital version so you don't have to hold anything in real life and nobody could actually see your cards you wouldn't drop any but they would be the AR VR ones and you could keep an infinite amount right there you know actually with the 25th anniversary Konami released an official Yu-Gi-Oh VR game on meta hmm. so you can actually play like that in the meta uh, quest well what are we doing right now why aren't we doing this why are they teaching this all in the metaverse? <laughs> Meet me at the metaverse. That would be interesting. So you'd have to get one of those Quest VR things, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, those aren't that much. They're like six or seven hundred bucks, right? Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty good. Top of the line as of right now. Well, hmm. well before App Collision right now. Yeah. Fuck, that's expensive. Yeah. Apple Vision. It's kind of a weird. Uh, even just talking about it, because it's a. Uh, it's hard to compare it to like other VR sets because it's not doing the same thing as the other VR sets are doing. It's like its own thing. Yeah, which is why it's really hard to con like say is is Meta VR better or uh, Vision Pro better? It's like well, um, yeah, 
<laughs> if they had some of the same things doing for themselves, I'd say yeah. But like, you can actually walk around and use like the Vision Pro. I know I mean, it's so weird. It, there's cameras on the Quest, but that's just to uh, help you just see your surroundings right quick. It isn't like integral to the device because with Apple Vision Pro, it's meant to put virtual reality into reality, and regular VR sets are supposed to put you just take you out of reality into virtual reality yeah VR I, th I think the next apple vision and then the next quest are gonna be really crazy probably it's gonna be really weird yeah 100 percent. i'm actually so excited where like uh vision pro has just become like your glasses you just chuck on yeah like well i like the apple vision pro because i like the ready flare one stuff where we're all like it's it's to me it looks like such clunky 80s to 80s tech of like what we would have thought it would have been like back then that i'm just so shocked that the apple vision pro is so huge and apparently really heavy that it's just surprising to me because it's so not sleek looking or like like do you know what i mean it looks like 80s tech it's crazy um I don't know, and that's probably why I like it. <laughs> uh, but no, you're right, yeah. though. If you could just have little ones that you could stick on, I'm sure it'll get there. That's what I th That's what I find really looks like the future of this kind of tech. I mean, I'm not going to rush out and buy <laughs> like a V. I don't think anybody is, to be quite nope, honest. Nope, I don't think they are either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I would, though, if I had money. If I, if I was the kind of person who made enough where... You know, forty eight hundred bucks, Jesus, before tax Canadian, wasn't that much for a gimmicky thing. I totally would do it, for sure. But that's a In lot a small of money. Spare case of like forty eight hundred dollars, you should be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd have to sell like a bunch of stuff out of this room, and then I probably wouldn't feel very good about buying it. All oh, right, this card. Uh, as I'm going about things. This is actually one of the new rarest cards I pulled as of recently. Oh. Um, this is a, a Dark Arm Dragon. This card originally came out, I think, in uh, 2009, 2010. Uh, so this card, if if you kind of shine it around, you can see all the speckles in it. Yeah. And I think it, in the uh, the card text bottom, it should show a 25th century rare. If I move it a bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hopefully, that looks great. You listening harder, audio listeners? It's right there. Just focus your mind. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite cards I pulled as of recently. What is the most uh, expensive card you have? Uh, so this card I showed you here is uh, about $90. Hmm. Uh, and obviously you can see, uh, well, if the light isn't blocking a lot of the things out of view. Uh, last I checked... It was this card I owned from an old... I had an old pen pal from Japan where I used to buy card sleeves off of him. And he would give me uh, Japanese cards. So, so I have a lot of Japanese cards. That's cool. That's... That'll help with the Japanese. Right? Actually, I'm willing to, to do that. I'm actually going to buy a Yu-Gi-Oh set of cards just so I can actually like do what Yu-Gi-Oh did for me learning English and teach me Japanese. <laughs> Are you going to buy some cards while you're in Japan? Oh, 1,000 per... There's actually some cards in Japan that haven't released yet in uh, Americas. So I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to buy these cards and bring them back. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a good idea. There's no, no way I'm going to miss out while being there. All right, can you take any... I guess you can't take like ones from here and sell them there for more. That just makes sense. 
Uh, I could probably, depending on the sets. Um, but obviously, with like it's a different format of TCG, which is North America, South America, Europe, yada yada yada. Then Oceanic, which is Japan, South Korea, and whatnot. They're they're interchangeable to an extent. Um, uh, it has to be a quotation mark on it, unfortunately. Hmm. But I probably could. But a lot of times, like, um, I don't think a lot of people are looking for, like, English kind of cards <laughs> in those areas. You never okay. know. There's that one person. So yeah, can you join any groups, like, meet up and play? I mean, I guess you don't want to fly all the way to Japan and play Yu-Gi-Oh! in, like, some comic book place, but be kind of cool. What they did for um, the online versions of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duelist, uh, Duel Links on the mobile phone and PC, and Master Duel that you can play on PC, phone, uh, Xbox, PlayStation, etc. Uh, since it's a it's a globally international uh, system, uh, a game where I can just play with someone from Japan or from South America, sorts. It's all one format instead of just being two separate entities hmm. from each other. Also, before you buy any cards, I don't recommend buying like a like a structure deck like you'd see at Walmart right away. Um, I highly recommend you play one of the mobile game versions first, specifically Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links, as it plays most likely like the card game you see now. Um, the at least let you know if you actually like playing the game. Uh, that's a big aspect of it because yeah, like I said before, a lot of older players are shooting away from it. Even people who've only seen it from the anime, they're like, "This plays nothing that like I thought would be in the anime." <laughs> uh, save your money play the game for free see if you like it and then if you're like wow this is really cool I want to collect the cards like my collection here like wow seems like a cool collection and stuff like that uh, that's when I would really recommend you actually like uh, buy a set but then there's also aspect in mind make sure you're, you get someone who's already into Yu-Gi-Oh with you or find your locals uh, whatever you are in the world to see like who's actually like uh, playing Yu-Gi-Oh because in my area, unfortunately, there's only one area that does uh, uh, host Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments that it, like officially sponsored by Konami. What? It's a, it's a it's a sports card center. Where, where is that? Mostly sports. It's uh it's in like upper uh it's like in North End Halifax. Wow, that's pretty crazy. That's cool though. Yeah. It's run by a nice old man who just he doesn't care how nerdy stuff is. He's just like you guys can just rock it. That's hilarious, dude. That could be your retirement job. You just run some Konami tournaments for Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> I always thought about that. Like, is this the end game? Is this the end goal? <laughs> I think it might be. I think you may have just uh, described I've it. Her- I've become a hermit in my time of life. <laughs> just surrounded. Like, I have no friends or family. I just have nothing but Yu-Gi-Oh cards all over pressed on my. That's wall. okay. You know, it's a little thing, silly. The little things. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we talked about this before. If you misplaced one of these books, it probably wouldn't be very fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, like if my apartment is burning down, the first thing I'm grabbing is my my cards. <laughs> I have, I have all my cards able to be put in one of my backpacks. That's one of the first things I'm grabbing. Like, put it on my back. Maybe I'll save my PC. Uh, <laughs> Can you insure the Yu-Gi-Oh cards? I mean, I guess you could, right? Uh, you can, yeah. It's uh, expensive to do so. Uh, also, uh, like a fee of sorts to keep it going. Okay, would you have to get them all graded professionally or to insure them? Um, it depends on like how many... Uh, like I-, I would have to get them insured and make sure a lot of my cards are legitimate to get them insured. Oh, yeah, that makes um, sense. 
So I can be like, I get insurance on like fraudulent cards, and that's not what people want to do. So. Yeah, that's probably not a good way to do it. <laughs> no, no. So, is there any uh, particular artist of the cards that you think, you know, tickles your fancy the most? Okay, so there's something I dislike about Yu-Gi-Oh. All right, with the artist, obviously you can see there's different kind of styles, and like I said before, with Kazaki Takahashi developing the cards, even new cards coming out today after he's passed. He's not the only artist making Yu-Gi-Oh cards. But unfortunately, Konami doesn't really, like, share who does the Yu-Gi-Oh cards uh, individually. Like, if I bring out a magic card here, uh, just one card. This card here. They actually have the artist's name branched uh, at the very bottom here somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually show you who illustrates the card at the very bottom of it. Like, oh, this card was illustrated by Greg Stewart's. Uh, that's who commissioned the art for this individual card, which huh. Yu-Gi-Oh does, but they don't have that as public knowledge for some. Which that's I think weird. is such a shame, because I would love to like be able to see like what artists I'd be excited to see his artwork for. Is there a reason that they do it that way? Um. So, uh, from the the theory I have that I can just gather just from my knowledge now is that there's a lot of times where like a lot of artists get like attacked. It happens quite a lot in um, Japan. It's been like physically attacked? Uh, sometimes worse. It, it can uh, vary to an extent. Like uh, There was one series, um, an anime series that came out in the 90s, where the studio uh, that was making uh, anime Neon Genesis, they actually ran out of money. They couldn't afford to ha- keep hiring the animators to keep making the show, so they had to scrap together whatever they had and just make an ending for the anime. And then after that, the backlash from it was astronomical because people were sending death threats not only to like the producers, they're sending death threats to the animators and the artists, the mangaka. Like this isn't how it should be, and it was got so overwhelmed with like death threats that they felt like people had to get a, like a fundraiser to help pay these people to make the series uh, continue on. And it's happened a few times with like different, not just that series in general, with like a bunch of artists and. So Japan doesn't have fair use in the country. That's why, like, there's a lot of companies like Nintendo and Sony who are very like uh, hard on people who use their IPs. Hmm. Um, so unless it's like by official standards, like it, the people really try to like cu- cut down on it because it's not controlled by the companies who was, who are making it. That's funny. All the stuff I've been reading about Atari lately. That was one of their biggest issues is they wouldn't give credit to the artists or the uh, engineers making the games. So they had to start hiding their names into the games as Easter eggs. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, like that's why Activision started because these four dudes weren't getting the credit they wanted for their games. So they just made Activision and every even pitfall in the corner of the game the whole time it says who made it the whole time you're playing it. And this is what, uh, what the one card I was looking for for quite a while. I think I showed you this card in person. It's one of my most prettiest cards I own, and probably one of my most rare. It's a it, it's secret Egyptian rare from Japan. Secret Egyptian? Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, because if I shake it around a bit, you can see kind of the hieroglyphs. Yeah, that's a cool way to make a card. Yeah, they have different cool, kind of cool ways of making cards like that. Which I don't see Magic doing very often. One up <laughs> you there. Take that magic. Yeah. Like gathering. I know nothing of magic, so. I know the very surface level to get me into it. (laughs) 
as you hide yeah, your it, other magic deck. Uh, it, yeah, I, I push it to the side. We don't. Need, we're not talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it, it's. I imagine that's the kind of the reason why why they d- don't put the artist's name in like in Yu-Gi-Oh. The, uh, which is like I said, it's a shame. I don't think it should be like that. Even if like they have like disputes like that, I don't think that should be a principle behind a lot of it. Yeah, that's Cause bizarre. Because there's even some like IPs so that they do do this. Like there's one um, in Dragon Ball. There's one artist named Fenyon. He he's a Japanese uh, based artist, and he actually commissions a lot of artwork for Dragon Ball for official reasons, either promotional artwork or like uh, new covers and stuff like that. And they. Since he's such a good at mimicking like Toriyama's style, they just keep, uh, they use him as the poster boy for a lot of things. But it's so weird seeing that because obviously he's like the only one I really know of that really does like his names on the promotional work other than like pro- official animators that we've learned from after like decades after, right? Yeah. Wow, that is strange. Although, you know, that's one of the reasons I don't do like uh freelance illustration and stuff anymore like that like they just it's weird man people will take a talent that you have and just farm it out of you and take it for granted it's really too bad because it should be the opposite but it's just not handled very well like universally yeah because you were an animator for a while right yeah back in the day it's a cleanup artist which was really annoying (laughs) (laughs) it's like give me all the rough animation Oh, you want to pay me to put it all back on model? My God, especially someone like me, when I, I'm like a little bit OCD about certain things, like it, it drives you crazy trying to get all of the, you know, proportions yeah, back. Of, I imagine it kind of forces you to like people will like take the term perfectionist and kind of bastardly use it. I imagine that kind of aspect where like it actually is perfectionism. Yeah, like, like you're being paid. Feeling. Exactly, yeah. you're being paid to be a perfectionist because. Like, I remember I had all the models of the characters in, like, turnaround in, like, three-quarter. And no matter what, I had... Oh, man, some of the animation I got was pretty rough. And you kind of are partially animating it, you know? Like, without any credit. You're just a cleanup artist. But you're also actually animating. But you don't get the credit. Um, anyways, that's way off topic. Um, uh, well, we're at our, like, hour-and-a-half mark here, Sully. Any closing thoughts on Yu-Gi-Oh!, even though... You have no camera on your face. <laughs> uh, Dark Magician Girl is best girl. Don't at me. Um, uh, I If you're going to play Yu-Gi-Oh! Play Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. Specifically, you could play it on uh, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, your mobile phone, uh, Xbox, PC. See if you even like the game. And before you buy any cards, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! This is just... This is... The mat is based off of freaking... like. What's his face? King Arthur. Oh my god. It's episode 17, the showcase special, episode 1. 18. Ah! 18, I'm sorry. Run 18. I'll calm down. <laughs> 18. I got my number wrongs again. It's the Yu Gi Oh! Showcase Specials, part one of hopefully many series of different kind of styles. This is the first of many to come. Uh, remember to like, subscribe, and we're on Apple, Spotify, and that's about it. Uh, link in the comments your thoughts on Yu-Gi-Oh! Or if you're ever interested in seeing other things like uh, kind of aspect like this. So, that's it. Bye! <laughs>